Are you, like pretty much every parent of younger kids I know, looking for a smart entertainment option for your kids? Designed for kids ages six and up, Mysteries About True Histories, also known as Math, How Smart Is That?, is a weekly podcast full of time travel, puzzles, hidden equations, history, and humor. And while kids will enjoy the stories anchored around characters like troublesome trolls, pirate queens, and mysterious aunts, adults can benefit too. I admittedly delighted in learning a thing or two about Pythagoras and triangles in one episode. Every episode follows two best friends, Max and Molly, who work together to solve riddles and math equations during their time-traveling adventures. The series explores themes like the stories behind math, critical thinking, code-breaking, pattern-solving, and more, all weaving humor in with education to make learning fun. Episodes drop every Thursday and are about 15 minutes long, a great length for transition times during the day or a bedtime treat. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Welcome to the Edit Your Life Podcast. I'm Christine Ko. And I'm Asha Dornfest, and we're here to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. We share practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. And we help you take action with doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Good morning, Asha. (laughs) How are you, my sweet friend? Oh, boy. Uh... It's a complicated answer, isn't I it? I know. I know. Yeah, I know. Why yeah. don't you, I'm going to let you lead for a minute to answer that yeah. question. Well, um, friends, if you, um, if you follow Edit Your Life show on Instagram, you may already know that I have suffered a very big loss in my life. Um, my 86-year-old dad died suddenly and unexpectedly. And this just happened not too long ago. And, you know... That's just what's happening in my life. And let me tell you, it's just a, it's huge. And I, you know, I'm, I would be lying if I said I weren't just devastated, honestly, you know, my, my immediate future is really different now that I'm just sort of thinking through this new life, you know, for myself with my mom, you know, but strangely, it is also, uh, it is such a a grounding time. Um, It's, it's really so big. In fact, it's so big that I haven't even really gotten my mind around where I am yet. And, you know, we'll talk about all this, I'm sure in the coming months, you know, as the fog clears, but, you know, folks, I just wanted to say something to you now um, about this, because as you know, Christine and I, you know, we're just living our real lives while we do this podcast. And, um, you know, Christine, posted on the Instagram account about, you know, when my dad passed away and I received such an influx of kindness and warmth from you in those comments and elsewhere. Um, some of you messaged me. It has just meant the world to me. And I, I just wanted to say that out loud. It really has meant so much to me. So thank you for that. Yeah. People are, people are wonderful. Yeah, they really and are. Our and listeners are wonderful and they love you, Asha. And um, yeah, I mean, we, as you said, we'll we'll probably revisit this topic, this very complicated topic in a future episode. Um, mm-hmm. But I'll just say quickly that, you know, for many reasons, I have been thinking of you as you've gone through this. And because you mentioned sort of this new way forward with you and your mom, I just, you know, want to point out for all the singletons out there <laughs> that 
you know, being an only child and navigating this kind of stuff, like to me as one of seven, you know, where there are at least other people to rally, like that's like a big deal, you know, and mm-hmm. it's challenging and I'm sure there are big gifts that come from it too, but it's not easy. So, yeah. um, yeah. yeah. So I think to me, like the influx of love that I saw sort of coming in, um, I wasn't reading your private messages. I don't do that, but the, <laughs> the public comments <laughs> that I was seeing were just, um, you know, it felt like this is the, the community and the beauty of the community. And, you know, I'll just say from my perspective that I'm grateful to, you know, all of our wonderful listeners who, um, left comments or just sent virtual love or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's, it's interesting. I, um, I I think one of the things that I've discovered just right now, and I realize that I'm right at the beginning of this very long ride, but, um, number one, I've discovered that there is just like a remarkable, like (laughs) reservoir of kindness and love out there in the world. And I think that's an easy thing to forget at the moment. Mm -hmm. And I think the other thing is that grief and loss is something that um, people don't often talk about. And there is so much to talk about, actually, so much um, that I hope we will talk about in future months. So, um, you know, just it's there's so much to learn and there's actually so much to experience. And so anyway, that's just in my mind. It probably won't coalesce into anything coherent for a while. But um, anyway, it's just something that I do hope we talk about more in future. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm sort of thinking about that. But, you know, for I, I think I just want to explain why it is I want to record this particular episode right now while I'm in the midst of this grief. Um, you know, my dad, one of the things that I think the biggest lesson he really impressed upon me growing up was that, you know, he would always say to me, it doesn't matter what you say. It matters what you do. Now, mm-hmm. even back then when I was a kid, I was a talker, you know, and so I like to talk about things and I like to verbalize things. And, you know, I would sort of verbally hash out my ideas. He was a person who admired follow through. So I could say whatever I wanted, but it was really what I did that he was paying attention to. So this episode is is about that. Um, this episode is really about how about your values and how to live them. And I mean, we're going to be talking about politics and the November 2020 election. But really, you know, our philosophy here on Edit Your Life is all about thinking about what matters to you um, and letting those values guide your decisions about how you use your time, how you use your money. And so that's so that's what we're going to be talking about today, Um, because so many of us, especially right now, we're talking about how we feel like this upcoming election is an it's an inflection point. It's not just about the future of our country, but the future of our children, the future of our world. And this episode and, you know, my hopes is that this conversation between Christine and me will give you the tools to really do something about it. So, you know, not just talk about it, but do something no matter what you, uh, you know, no matter what your political experience or income or time availability or location, just something beyond um, just voting that helps you increase your impact on this upcoming election. Mm-hmm. Yep. And um, I'll just pop in and say that this episode is going to be similar in structure to the episode actually last year, Asha, where you interviewed me about my uh, food recalibration journey. I forget what episode that was, but I will link it in the notes. Um, And instead of the usual format of us sort of going back and forth with ideas, I will interview you. So that'll be fun. I think this Mm -hmm. is the first time we're doing that. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And I want to share something very candid and say that, you know, just given the other stuff going on in my life right now, I feel very burnt out on this topic and kind of disenchanted. So I I suppose I'm your target audience. (laughs) I was going to say, you're not alone. Yeah. And and also, um, this has been kind of a source of conflict internally for me, because in the past, um, I, I have no problem being vocal about things. And I've had a lot of people tell me that I inspire them to act. And so I kind of feel like I've been letting people down because I've just been, in fact, just the other day, I just um, posted something about needing to be quiet and not be talking. (laughs) Um, Anyway, so, you know, obviously this next election is critically important. Um, I'm hoping to get my mojo back. I think we will be covering the bigger context of extending your impact beyond voting, but also I'm, you know, pleased that we'll be talking really specific resources and organizations that will literally lay out what to do, you know, depending on your priorities. So I think, Mm -hmm. I think this will be really helpful for people. And I just want to say like, if you've been feeling kind of burnt out or disenchanted or depressed after, you know, super Tuesday or whatever, just hang with us because I think Mm -hmm. this will be a helpful episode for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. And I would also just like to acknowledge how you feel, Christine, and how probably uh, thousands of people listening feel the same way. I think that um, it it is this is a hard time to be talking about this stuff and even thinking about this stuff. So I just want to say that it is really okay to feel burnt out and it's really okay to feel like you need some silence and quiet. And hopefully some of the stuff that I'm going to be talking about today is really it, it actually honors that and allows you to have an impact without feeling like you have to jump in and talk a lot. Now, I mean, some of what I'm going to be talking about is talking, but there are lots of other things that one can do privately, silently, quietly that really allow you to honor your need to, you know, to just step back a little bit, but still still be involved and have an impact. So, you know, there really is something for everyone in this episode. And um, so anyway, I just just wanted to say that. And I think, you know, one other thing I would like to say about our political viewpoint and our tone here in this episode and and always, you know, Christine and I, we've made very clear in past episodes that we support Democratic candidates. But we also really respect that there's a range of political viewpoints among our listeners. And I just want to reiterate that, you know, we have a commitment to you, and that is that our conversations here They will always be civil. There will never be name calling. We're not going to curse. It's not going to be sarcastic. It is just the two of us talking about what we care about here. You know, that is really the culture that we aim to create and model here on the Edit Your Life show and also on our social media accounts and even in our own personal online spaces. So if you follow me on Twitter or or, you know, any Christine anywhere else, like you'll you'll see that um, we are ourselves, but that is something that we foster. And that's really important. I mean, we believe it's absolutely critical for Americans, for everyone to be able to talk openly about their values. And those values are often expressed through politics. And so that's what democracy is all about. So that's I just want you to know that that's sort of the bigger picture of what we're aiming for in terms of our own tone here on the on the podcast. Yeah, absolutely, Asha. Um, I I'm I'm glad you put that out there. That's like a perfect way to sort of frame up our conversation. And I want to jump right in, actually, because I alluded to Super Tuesday. <laughs> uh, we're recording just a few days after, and I want to start this conversation with something that I have been internally fretting about for some time. 
And it involves personal reframing and rallying. And what I mean by that is we have seen in the past what happens when people support a candidate and get really excited about and, and are all in. And then that candidate does not receive the party nomination. And those people say, OK, then nope, not voting. <laughs> and I, I bring this up because I have seen um, a lot of disappointment, a lot of sentiment like this from people whose candidates of choice are dropping off in the current race. So my question for you is, um, how can people communicate in a loving, not bossy, not guilt-inducing, but compelling way that it's crucial to unite behind the nominee? I'll just say plainly, in this case, the Democratic nominee this fall, even if it's not the person you were backing. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Isn't that just ugh, like, right. So many feelings. This is just such a huge topic and such a huge time. Um, and I think this is obviously, you know, sort of the most important question. Oddly, uh, this is a question I feel like I can answer with some depth because I believe it's actually connected to loss and grief, believe it or not. Now, granted, I may think that everything is connected to loss and grief right now, but this particular question to me really speaks to me because when one's chosen candidate is no longer an option for whatever reason, it is only natural to feel very sad or angry or both, you know, to, you know, lash out or to look for somebody to blame or all those feelings. And I feel like the first step in communicating with somebody who's feeling like that. So somebody who's feeling like, you know, like you said, somebody who's feeling like, nope, I'm not participating or whatever. The first step is to acknowledge that sadness and anger, period. I mean, mm -hmm. full stop. No buts, no minimizing, no scolding, you know, no redirecting to the eventual nominee. Because I feel like what that does is that just dishonors the fact that the person is feeling grief over the loss of this person who they were not only believing in, but also on some level pinning their future on. So it's it's very threatening when the person you think is really going to, you know, be something directly, um, be someone who's basically a direct connection to your future is no longer an option. So I feel like folks who no longer have their candidate um, for whatever reason will get to that place of unification faster if the people around them acknowledge the grief or injustice that they feel first. That's it. I mean, mm -hmm. So, you know, that to me is what opens the door. And, you know, in later conversations, you know, we can talk about, um, you know, uniting behind the candidate, whoever that candidate is. I think that that is just I think that's just basic human communication. And, and it just once again gets expressed through politics in this way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a that's kind of like election plus life therapy mantra yeah. right there. Um, yeah. The feelings. Um, I'll just say, too, that I just like literally yesterday um, read a BuzzFeed post titled, here's what to do if you hate the Democratic nominee. <laughs> um, I'll link it in the notes. And I just wanted to point it out because there's a lot of actually um, great practical matter in there about the power of focusing on local elections, like not even focusing really on the just taking it to a more granular level. Um, and we'll talk more about that today. But Here's the really big thing that's stuck out at me and I've been thinking a lot about. Um, this is a quote from the article. It says, whether you vote is public, but whom you vote for is private. It's your right to cast your ballot for whomever you prefer. But especially if you're a person with any kind of privilege, you have a responsibility to think beyond your self-interest. 
This election is about the most vulnerable among us who need you to be an ally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, the and the person who wrote that article, she's she does some really excellent work out there. And um, anyway, we will talk a little bit more about this whole notion of um, focusing on local elections and why it's actually a great strategy. Um, I'm glad you brought up that. I'm glad I'm glad you brought up that article. I think it's got some really great information in it. I will say I don't really appreciate the sloppy title of the article. And Mm -hmm. I have a feeling that was not the author's choice. That was probably the editor's choice. Um, Because honestly, I think in this um, era of increased xenophobia and racism and nationalism, the word hate means something specific and Mm -hmm. you can't just toss it around like that. So Mm. I will say that very clearly. That's actually what turned me away from reading that article. But I'm glad I did read it because it's actually an excellent article. The content is wonderful. So. I think that's really important. And um, yeah, so I'm I'm really glad we started with this question. I think it's really, really important. And I think that, um, you know, we can all get there. I think one thing that we've also learned about this period of time is that things change so much from week to week. And so there will be a lot of time for us to um, really get behind the Democratic nominee, whoever that person ends up being. Mm-hmm. Yep, agreed. Okay, well, friends, we have a lot more to talk about, and we will continue the conversation after a quick break. Understood is a resource I have recommended for many years to parents looking for support with learning and thinking differences such as ADHD, dyslexia, and more. And I'm subsequently excited to tell you about their podcast, Understood Explains. This season, the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Urtube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. They cover topics such as how to tell if your child needs an IEP, common myths about special education, and the difference between IEPs and 504 plans. I love how Understood Explains breaks down the overwhelm by unpacking an important topic each season and then drilling down further into key basics in each episode. Most episodes are between 10 to 15 minutes, and episodes are available in both English and Spanish. So fantastic, right? To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts. Okay, friends, we are back. And Asha, let's dive right in and let's talk about civic engagement around the 2020 election. 
Um, I want to start by hearing your thoughts on what seems like it should be one of the easiest things, but often ends up being one of the hardest things. And that is talking to your friends and family about politics. I know people who just say, nope, not going to do it. So, you know, I, I hear so many people who say they don't want to go there. It's too hard. Um, it means that people get up from the dinner table and storm out. What are your thoughts on this? Oh, boy. Um, well, first of all, I want to acknowledge that everybody's family situation or friend situation is different. So everybody's going to have their own tolerance level. Everyone's going to have their own, you know, you know, aunt or uncle that has certain political viewpoints. I mean, it's, you know, everybody's family is specific. Um, so this is just a general thought. But I would say, you know, to me, one of the most important things about this particular time politically is that we sometimes don't understand the kind of influence that we have. And when I say influence, I don't mean, you know, twisting people's arms and getting them to vote a certain way. I simply mean that it is natural that we look to the people that we know and love for guidance or signals about how to act in life. And so for me, that starts with friends and family. You know, that's actually where we can have the greatest impact. And um, so for me, that really begins with reframing, you know, quote unquote, talking about politics as talking about values. I feel like that is just the first and most important thing, um, because values really are things that we can talk about um, on some level. And, you know, we right now we're living in this sort of overwhelming and threatening political climate, and it makes it feel dangerous to talk about politics, even with our friends. But I think um, we have to remember that silence is a really potent weapon that gets wielded by people who want to maintain the status quo. It is a really potent weapon against democracy. And, you know, if you get people to stop talking about each to each other, then they can't really do anything. And. So the first thing I think is to just practice talking about the things you care about. You know, I call it the why behind your politics. So, for example, you know, for me, when I when I talk about politics, I actually think that I might spend more time talking about my kids <laughs> because that's where my why began. My why began with protecting my kids future by extension, all kids futures. And you know, I care about things like honesty and accountability and justice. I care about things like the foundations of our democracy. Like I care about the free press. I care about the rule of law. I care about equality. You know, these are my values. And it's important for me to make the connection between those values and what I see happening politically and just to be able to talk from there. And I mean, there's more to it, obviously. But the point is, I just want my friends to know why it's so important for me to express these values politically. I'm not just basically spouting off on the news or spouting off on particular political individuals. It's not defined by a specific person, but by me internally, what my own values are. And I just feel like that opens up ways for us to talk about the values we share. I mean, I feel like that's why we love podcasts so much. That's why, you know, th the Internet can actually be a magical thing because it gives us a place to talk about the things that we share. So. Hopefully that doesn't sound a little too, you know, out in the clouds, but I think that's really the bottom line for the beginning, the beginning of the answer to how do you talk about politics with your friends and your mm -hmm. family? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I think that I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think it, you know, you providing some examples about some of those whys, I think will, you know, help kind of 
uh, inspire people's thinking around it. Now, mm-hmm. so you mentioned the internet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and way back in episode 86, we did an episode on managing political stress. I actually can't remember all the specifics from the conversation, but I can only imagine we talked about the way the internet becomes a complete raging dumpster fire when it comes to political conversations. I have been embroiled in said dumpster fires. Mm-hmm. How can we do better? As we move mm. toward the next election. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, um, I, I mean, I think the short answer to that question is to prioritize in-person communication. And I will talk about that specifically. Um, I will also remind folks that, um, well, yeah, I mean, the Internet, the Internet, ironically, is probably different than it was back in even in episode 86. You know, a mm-hmm. lot has changed on the Internet in terms of what we know about um, election interference and the fact that there is an entire sort of paid army of people who are out there um, trying to foment chaos and um, disconnection online between people by, you know, basically fake people responding on Twitter and in, you know, the comment sections of newspaper websites. It's, it's really wild how people are trying to um, sway the feelings of individuals by leaving negative, you know, comments and stuff like that. But, you know, separate from that, even if you've had like an uncomfortable conversation with somebody, you know, online, I understand that it's really it can be really hard. And doing the majority of your political communication in person really changes that. Um, So first of all, you know, we're online and, you know, we sort of feel like we're connected, but actually you know, it's somewhat isolating to talk to people on social media instead of in person. And I think the other thing to remember is that people communicate differently online uh, than Mm -hmm. they do when they're in person. And so I just want to put a plug out there for talking to people in person, because when you talk with trusted friends, it's actually calming and it's bonding and it's real. You know, so many people talk about how they feel overwhelmed. They just want to unplug. But it's amazing how I actually feel so much more grounded when I like have a real, um, you know, substantive comfort conversation with my friends. And once again, the people you have the greatest potential to inspire are those who already know and trust you. And again, this is not about selling them on anything or twisting anybody's arms. It's just about inviting and normalizing conversation about our day to day lives in a democracy. So I think that actually really, really helps minimizing, you know, the communication that you're having about politics online. So, you know, maybe not sharing, you know, every article that you're reading and stuff like that, but definitely making a point of talking to your friends and coworkers. Okay. yes. So absolutely. I agree with the importance of in-person communication. Um, But the reality is the Internet, it's not going anywhere. (laughs) So I would love to hear your thoughts on how we can find a little bit better balance here. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, so I think the short answer to that question is to shift your focus from information to impact. And let me explain what I mean by that. I think um, it's, you know, it's obviously so important to be a well-informed person. So I would never suggest that people stop reading news, reputable news, that is, or even quitting social media, because I think social media is part of our you know, it's part of our lives. And, um, you know, unless you're a person who wants to quit social media, in which case do whatever you like, (laughs) you know, but I'm saying it's not, that's not part of my strategy, but I think it's so important to realize that 
being informed is only useful when it translates to action. I mean, we can basically be, you know, the most politically uh, astute people in the world. But if it doesn't translate into us doing something with that information, it's not that useful. And so the reality is that right now our media environment is so chaotic and upsetting and fractured that it really tends to make many of us want to tune out. I think we've all felt that news burnout before. Now, I mean, this is a symptom of the current political environment, which is also chaotic and fractured and upsetting, but it's also a strategy by those in leadership to keep voters from plugging in and uh, and talking about what's going on. And so, as I said earlier, silence, you know, silence is the enemy here, and it only benefits those people who are seeking to stay in power. And I think the most important thing that we can do is to keep that in mind. And so we as voters are the ones with the power. We simply need to use it well. And so to me, that is that means balancing the inflow of information and shifting that focus to how do I use this information to actually have an impact? And the way we do that, I mean, there are, there are lots of ways that we can do that. But the main three ways to me are, one, we talk to the people we know. That's important. Number two, we vote. Obviously, that's a huge impact. That's the biggest. And three, we get involved supporting our preferred candidates. And we're going to be talking in detail about how we do that. But that's how we extend our impact beyond just I'm going to vote on Election Day. There's so much more that we can do. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, Yes, there is. And um, we are going to talk a lot about tactics, really simple things you can do. Even, um, you know, Asha, as you mentioned in the front and front of the episode, stuff you can do quietly, <laughs> uh, which is important, can be important to people. And we are going to get to all of that after a quick break. Lynn, this time of year, parenting can be such a fluster clucks. You've come to the right place. I'm Lynn Lyons, and I've been treating anxious families for over 30 years. I'm Lynn's sister-in-law and co-host Robin Hudson. Join us for Fluster Clucks, a podcast for parents who worry. Wait, that's everybody. Yeah, these last few years have felt like one long anxiety attack for so many. Why do you think parents are always surprised that a podcast about anxiety relates to them, even if no one in their house has an anxiety disorder? Well, worry is human. Everyone does it. And anxiety shows up when we face uncertainty. All the parenting tips you've taught me have been essential. I love to break it down into skills we need to manage worry in our families. We've covered so many topics, depression, burnout, meltdowns, perfectionism. Don't forget scary mothers-in-law. Right, but of course that's not my mother-in-law. Because that's my mother. And a listener. As a psychotherapist, I like to teach parents and kids how to respond to everyday moments in healthy ways. Managing anxiety really can be taught. It really can. And I'll even tell you what to say. We talk about serious stuff, but without being too serious. Anxiety wants everything serious. Anxiety doesn't stand a chance when we're laughing, even about the tough stuff. If you like this show, there's a decent chance you'll also enjoy The Shameless Mom Academy. Hi, I'm Sarah Dean, the founder and host of The Shameless Mom Academy. The Shameless Mom Academy is a podcast for moms that centers moms more than it centers your kids. I'm not going to teach you how to make baby food or how to make your three-year-old or 13-year-old stop having tantrums. Instead, I'm going to bring you back to yourself. For the last 20 years, I've been helping moms through growth and transformation. Inside the Shameless Mom Academy, I help you identify who you are and who you are becoming. Look, motherhood is hard. It brought me to my knees many times and sometimes still does. 
Returning to who I am and who I am becoming allows me to decide how to show up in all those sticky motherhood moments, but also in all my other relationships and in all the ways I show up in my various communities. So come check out the Shameless Mom Academy wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm willing to bet you'll leave feeling a little inspired and maybe even completely fired up. And you'll probably laugh a few times because I promise we never take ourselves too seriously over here. With 700 episodes to choose from, you're likely going to find something that sparks and speaks to you inside the Shameless Mom Academy. Okay, friends, we're back. And Asha, let's get into some tactics. I would love for you to talk about Democracy Club, which is something that you recently launched. Okay, yes, this is, uh, boy, this is just right at the top of my list. So I talked earlier about how the most effective and energizing way to get involved politically is really to do it with your friends. And so um, my friends and I have started something that we call Democracy Club. And it's like, it's basically like book club, but for democracy. So we get together once a month, we have snacks or brunch, and we swap ideas, we share articles, we volunteer together, and we laugh a lot. And we, you know, Sometimes we cry. And the point is that it is this really um, amazing group of friends where we feel not only safe to talk honestly about, um, you know, the political environment, which, by the way, you know, we have a sort of a while we're all I would say, you know, we're all definitely Democratic voters. We come from a range of Democratic viewpoints. So it's not that we all support the same candidates, but we all trust and really love each other. And so we have this really great place to just talk about what's going on and share and de- debate ideas and and also just think about, you know, how we want to get involved. In between our meetings, we keep in touch via group text. So if, you know, a news article comes out or, or a voting is happening or there's an event, you know, we just keep in touch there. And it is the most energizing and life-affirming way to do to do this stuff. It's like the opposite of draining. And so I'm glad we're starting here because we actually are so into this that we created a website so that other people who want to start a democracy club have a little guidance. We wrote up a little guide. You know, you can download it. If you go to startademocracyclub.org, you'll see it. I mean, it's literally this like little website. And, you know, we didn't start this with an idea that this would be like an organization or anything. It's literally just my friends and me doing this thing. And we just thought other people would like to do it because I will tell you clearly that I think I, I think our culture would be transformed if there were hundreds of democracy clubs throughout the country of people just engaging in our political process. And I think it would be amazing. So that's, that's sort of where I'm starting. Yeah. And how, like, who are these people? Are they neighborhood people that you just have known for a while? Or, you know, I know you've been very active in your community. Mm-hmm. Like, where does one go where does to find, one find the people? people? Yeah. Yes. Well, I, you know, I think in general, one finds the people just among your people. Like, mm-hmm. you know, those of your friends who are just like, yeah, you know, like they want to sort of talk about politics. I just put it out to friends and say, hey, do you guys want to do this? But in my case, the you know in my case these friends were actually friends that i met doing political you know doing like political engagement work the last few years um but we have become such close friends so you know it for me it's like that um and it it's amazing some of these folks i actually have known for many many years some of these folks i've only known since 2016 um in general though 
think about if you were to sit in your house and start a book club, who would you call? You know, who are the people that you want to talk to about this stuff? Um, And by this stuff, I don't just mean politics. I just mean life and values and what you care about in the future and things like that. And Mm -hmm. um, I will I will say once again that you need zero experience. You can be a person who doesn't even know who your representative is. You don't need political experience to do this. The fact is we all live in a democracy. And so we can all we all can engage with that democracy from wherever we are. So that's where I would begin. I would just begin with folks who want to talk about it. You could start Mm -hmm. with three people. You could start with five. It doesn't even, you know, it's it can evolve and it can look like whatever works for you. Wonderful. Wonderful. All right. Well, I want to talk about um, federal stuff. So (laughs) there are so many organizations doing great work. They're doing it to get out the vote. They're providing notifications on simple actions you can take. And that's all awesome. And it can also be really overwhelming. Like Mm -hmm. I remember signing up for all the things right after the 2016 election. And then I soon became completely overwhelmed by all the things. Sure. So what do you recommend at the federal level? I think many people are feeling, um, you know, especially if you come from a state like me, I'm in Massachusetts, where things typically go a certain way. um, You're sort of tuned into wondering what to do because you want to help make change um, in a place where you are not a constituent, you know, like, Mm -hmm. for example, our former guest, Amy McGrath in Kentucky. So I'm curious about what your thoughts are, like one simple thing that people can focus in on. Okay, that's that's such a great question, because the the biggest question that we always get is I want to do something, but I don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. So to me, there is one simple answer for that, and that is to follow the organization called Swing Left. Swing Left um, has what I think is the smartest federal election strategy around. And it's it's very simple. They are focusing volunteer and fundraising efforts on what they're calling super states, um, which are the states where there is potential to not only win the presidency, but flip the Senate seat, the federal Senate seat and flip the state legislature in that state. Mm -hmm. So. That is so basically like the votes in those states are just have a ton of impact. And so if you live in, say, a blue state, I live in Oregon, you you know, you live in Massachusetts, but you want to help support these, you know, elections going on in these super states. um, What Swing Left allows you to do is you can donate money or you can help with letter writing or you can just basically um, volunteer to help the folks in those states do the work that they are doing. So it's sort of like getting behind the constituents in those states. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just, it's a wonderful um, way to have an impact that is um, just people coming together. It's really, really great. And I think it's important to mention if you have zero time, if you're a person who's just like, you know, I work 70 hours a week and I have a baby and you know what I mean? Like you don't have time, consider investing your dollars, consider the fact that, your money can stand in for your time. And that is a perfectly wonderful way to get involved. It can mm-hmm. be a small amount. It can be a monthly amount or whatever, but um, that's really perfectly fine too. And Swing Left has mechanisms for all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Great, great. Okay, yeah. so I want Great wanted, organization. Yeah, they are. Um, I want to talk about the local level. Can I just admit that <laughs> on Tuesday, I was not alone in being completely surprised to learn that there were options to vote for ward and town committees like Mm. was not prepared for that at all had not seen a single sign about any of that and i actually received texts 
from friends like who were in the polling box and were like, what, what is this? Who are you voting for? Mm -hmm. I mean, it was crazy. It was crazy to me that we knew nothing about this. So Mm -hmm. yeah. Talk to me about local. Okay. So, so I think it's really, it's, it's really interesting that you're talking about that. And it's a good reminder that each of us in different states are going to have different voting experiences, right? So some of us, you know, have primaries, some have caucuses, you know, like, I don't even know what a ward or a town committee is. That doesn't exist here, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's so interesting that we do have these individual voting experiences. So, um, but you specifically asked about, you know, the local level. And I think, you know, sort of following on the article that you mentioned earlier in the episode, um, when you support a local candidate, and I'm talking really local, like city government, maybe, you know, your town has a mayor, you know, election going on or school board election. You know, oftentimes we can talk more persuasively and get more excited about these local candidates. Maybe they're our neighbor. Maybe they're people that we know. Maybe they're people that really affect our kids school, you know, experience. So um, getting behind a local candidate or talking about uh, donating or whatever for a local candidate actually has a huge impact on what goes on um, on a state level and on a federal level. Because think about it. If you get somebody into the voting booth to support your local school board candidate, it's not like they're not going to vote for the people at the top of the ticket or the bottom of the ticket. They're going to just vote. And so um Focusing on those smaller elections still can really increase the voter turnout and often increase the voter turnout for all the different races. So that has just as much impact. Um, So, you know, again, if if the if the whole like federal or state race thing seems overwhelming or just too much, get behind somebody local, donate some money to their to their, uh, you know, candidacy or make some calls, maybe consider knocking on some doors or again, just simply. Talk about your candidate to your friends, you know, mm-hmm. like a couple of days before voting when like, I'm thinking about the people who are texting you saying, oh, my gosh, who are you voting for? Think about the power that you have to help support a candidate that you care about. Mm-hmm. Like right then and there, you probably got five votes for for a local candidate. So mm-hmm. this these moments really matter. And uh, local local races are where you can have a huge, huge impact. Huge. And I'm glad you mentioned like the idea that, you know, this could be somebody, you know, because in our last, um, you know, our elections in the fall, there was there was a lot of excitement. It might have been kind of the I don't know, the most I've seen in my city since living here, because people were really hungry for turnover in the city council on the school committee. There were some really new, exciting candidates up. Um, There was a very heated mayor (laughs) race. Um, So it was really interesting to see people who are not I've never seen invested in um, elections before really coming out of the woodwork. Like, you know, some people I know who I never would have expected um, were knocking on my door. Like, you know, people actually knew at the school um, who were supporting a candidate. So it it can be kind of exciting. Like, I, Very I, would, exciting. I would recommend getting plugged into it. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, and I'll good. just say one other quick thing. And that is if you're saying, OK, you know, like, how do I get plugged into it? If there is somebody, you know, who's running for office. Just like check out their campaign website, you know, and, oh, yeah. and they need help. All yeah, the help. yeah, yeah. They need help. And 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 it's just like you actually can have a bigger impact there. And it is exciting. You feel like it's just like, wow, democracy in action. These local races, you know, they really matter. And chances are they affect your day to day life even more mm-hmm. than, you know, other things. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. All right. Well, let's um, 
I want to just have another question regarding local, because I think one thing that I always do when I, you know, go to vote is I thank the volunteers who are, you know, checking us in, checking us out, manning the little scanner thingy. Um, So if you decide you want to be one of those people or want to help out in your city or town, what how do you do that? Okay, that's a really good question, because I think for a lot of people, quote unquote, getting involved with the election oftentimes feels more comfortable to do it in a just a um, a get out the vote way as opposed to getting behind a particular candidate. Some people just don't want to talk about specific candidates. They just want to help people vote. And I think that's wonderful mm-hmm. and so important. And so, um, you know, we mentioned earlier that each, you know, each state has different election rules. And um, in fact, um, counties have different rules. So I think the best and easiest way to figure out how to get involved in your community is to just Google your county's election office. So Google the name of your county plus the word elections and um, up will pop your county's election office. And that will allow you to just start understanding, you know, what are the dates? What's the last date people can register to vote in my county, for example? What is Some counties have same day registration. You can register to vote on the same day that you vote. Some days, some counties do not. So you can start just learning a little bit about that. And um, not that you have to become an expert. You don't have to become an expert in how it all works, but you'll start getting some information there. And then um, a little bit more Googling about um, how to, you can again, Google the name of your county and the words, get out the vote or whatever, you can start looking around for organizations that are doing that work. And you can just volunteer for maybe even just one afternoon. Like you can register voters at the farmer's market or, you know, whatever. It's There are different organizations that are setting up ways for volunteers to do those sorts of things. I think the other important thing to say is if you do not want to be sitting behind a table getting people to, you know, fill out voter registration forms, again, Helping people in your community vote can be as simple as talking to your neighbors about voting. When when are you going to be voting? Where's your polling location? Who are you going to be voting for? Or how about like, how about we have a voting party at my house? Like I will get, uh, I will make the drinks and um, make some nachos and everybody, you know, like let's figure out who we're voting for and bring their voting guides, you know? Uh, There are so many ways to help people vote. And sometimes it's as simple as just inviting your friends to talk about it a little bit. Do you think it would work for me to have a cake party and say, if you go vote, then you may enter, you may have a pass to enter my cake party. And it would just be (laughs) like the voter turnout in your town would skyrocket. (laughs) Yeah, no, but I mean, it's funny, like it really can be that fun and you feel so good about it. That's I think the bottom line about this is that, you know, right now at a time when people just sort of make a straight line between politics equals bad, politics can feel incredibly empowering and um, positive and really fun to talk to your um, people about stuff that really matters. So I don't know. I say give it a shot. Definitely cake Definitely should cake. be involved. Um, yeah. OK. All right. My, well, my last question is going to be issued from introvert Christine. She crops mm-hmm. up every now and then in our episodes. And <laughs> introvert Christine's question is, what is something that you can do if you want to make an impact, but you don't want to deal with people? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Christine, introvert Christine is wearing her humans are exhausting t-shirt. Yeah, I, I, I'm serious. <laughs> you better post a picture of that on Instagram. Okay, I will. Because I sort it's of, so funny. <laughs> I alternate between my humans exhaust me and my smash the patriarchy shirt. That's kind of. Oh, yes. <laughs> humans exhaust me. That's right. right. Oh, man, I love that. Okay. Um, all right. No, in all seriousness, back to the topic at hand. Um, okay. So you do not have to talk to anybody if you want to have an impact on this election. Let me just state that, <laughs> state that straight out. Um, two organizations to me are doing the best work on this. The first one is called Postcards to Voters, which is about, guess what? Postcards to voters. And then the second one is called Vote Forward, which is about writing letters to vote to voters. Now they have the same basic uh, strategy, which is that these are hand lettered, handwritten, in some cases, hand illustrated, um, positive non-candidate specific notes that volunteers in one state send to voters in another state, simply encouraging them to vote. So it's not about, you know, vote for this person. Um, it's more about, hey, your election day is coming up on X, Y, Z date. I'm a voter and I really care about this. I hope you will also vote. So it's a it's a really positive thing to do. It's actually really fun. It's creative. It's really satisfying. And I'm just imagining, you know, in the case of postcards to voters, some people just like go to town with markers and, you know, drawing and all that kind of stuff. Some people just write handwritten postcards. But there's something about receiving a handwritten postcard from a human being in your mailbox that's really neat. and. That's the idea behind these efforts. And so you can do this from home. You can, I mean, there are such a thing as, you know, postcard parties and letter writing parties, but we said that you don't, you don't have to talk to anybody. So you can also do this from home, um, literally, you know, from your own kitchen table with your own stamps, you just print the stuff out or buy some postcards, you know, and stamp them and send them, you know, from home. So uh, Google post. Well, we're going to include all the links in the show notes, obviously, but you can also Google the names postcards to voters or vote forward and you'll see the organizations and how to set it up. It's extremely easy. It's something you can do when you have 10 minutes in the evening. You don't have to sit and do it for hours. I mean, it's amazing what a little tiny bit of time baby steps, <laughs> a little tiny bit of time each week can do. Yeah, I think introvert Christina is going to go sign up for that after uh-huh. after we finish our episode. And I think it would actually be a really fun thing to do with my kids, too. I was just mm-hmm. kids I, love to do it. Yeah. Vi and I were just having a little like drawing session to yesterday. And I think mm-hmm. I think if some of Violet's little chubby hamster drawings made it onto these postcards, how can you not vote? I mean, have a heart, people. Yeah, um, <laughs> totally. Or have a hamster. One of the or other. have a hamster. Uh-huh. All right, Asha, there have been like so many good ideas that you have. Um, and like love and compassionate ideas and framing um, that you've provided in this episode. So thank you for that. Um, what is your next edit for this episode? All right. I'm just going to go for it, friends. My next edit for this episode is I want you to start a democracy club. There you are. I said, so That's go it. to startademocracyclub.org. Consider, just consider it. Have a, have a look at the website and, um, and, and check it out. Download the guide. It's free. You know, you can just check it out and see what you think. I think that that more than anything else will um, give you a new perspective on how to have an impact on this election in a way that's fun and energizing and will actually help increase your community. And and it'll be a wonderful thing. I think we could start a national movement, people. All right, let's do it. 
All right. Well, I am going to share your next edit, if I may. Of course. And that is to thank someone who is using their voice. So let me just quickly explain. I have a very loose, not even remotely empirically based theory. (laughs) Um, And that is that it is incredibly powerful to see people, in my opinion, especially people who have never gotten in the game politically, as it were, um, to see them using their voice. I mentioned um, this was happening in our local elections in the fall, like, or maybe I didn't mention it, but that was part of the excitement to me was seeing people who I had never in a million years, like seen post something. And it made me pay attention and look up their candidates that they were supporting. Cause I was like, wow, if, if you feel that strongly about that person and you wouldn't usually never say anything, I'm, I want to know more. Um, so my point is, you know, Asha, you and I live in this space where the term like professional influencer is kind of thrown around a lot. But the reality is everyone is an influencer if they choose to use their voice. So you're here. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah. I just so I'm like, I'm like, I, I, my my fist is raised. It's true. I mean, it of just, course it's true. It's it's so incredible. It has been so incredible for me to see that activity. I'm seeing it, you know, now I've been seeing it in this, you know, in our last election And it takes courage to do that. And I know that it takes courage to do that. And so when I see it happening, I say thank you. I've said thank you in person. I've sent a private message or on a public thread or whatever. Just issue a thank you because I think it's it's just so hard to do it for a lot of people that, you know, the encouragement is worth it. Mm, mm. Oh, oh, that's so important. And, you know, well, not only do I agree with you, but just the way that you talked about how powerful it is just to see people using their voice. You're absolutely right. It is so powerful and it it's what changes the culture. You know, when you start noticing that the people around you are standing up and speaking, even in the most sort of, you know, gentle way, it just sort of opens the door to more people doing it. And, and, and that is what democracy is all about. Mm-hmm. <sighs> all right, Asha, we got to wrap. <laughs> okay. All right, you'll find the show notes for this episode, including links to all the organizations and resources we've mentioned at edityourlifeshow.com. And this week, we would like to know, how do you plan to increase your impact on the 2020 election? You know, we are fans of baby steps, so let's hear it. Hop over to facebook.com slash edityourlifeshow and look for the question of the week pinned to the top of the page, or you can chat with us on Instagram at edityourlifeshow. Thanks for listening. Well, hey there, Busy Mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it but I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free.